0: Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about stresses and lifestyle habits that slow healing of the most common running injuries. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running, even if you've been injured. This episode is a little different than others in that we are featuring a recorded portion of an interview for an injury prevention seminar that I was asked to help create for Runners Connect, which is a team of expert coaches and fellow runners dedicated to helping you train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster. In this episode, you'll learn some strategies to modify some bad habits so you can heal faster and get back to running.
1: Today we have Dr. Christopher Segler joining us. Dr. Segler, thanks for joining us. Would you care to just tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure, yeah, so uh, thanks for having me, and good to um, be here to hopefully provide some useful information for all of the members at Runners Connect. I think this, um, you know, it's a very interesting program that you guys have, and hopefully this will provide some value so that uh, all your runners can keep running and avoid some of the injuries that I end up seeing. I'm a sports medicine podiatrist uh, based in San Francisco, and I have a very specialized practice, very focused on runners. So I'm a runner and a triathlete myself. I've done uh, 15 Ironman uh, races I've done the world championships I've you know I've been running for a very long time and I like to run and the primary thing that I do is that i i see runners most of whom have become injured and they've been told that they can't run or should stop running or something like that so that's very frustrating so is it really frustrating when um, a runner is told they can't run a specific race and it's incredibly frustrating when they're told they should, actually take up another sport altogether, which seems kind of crazy to me uh, as somebody who does run. So that's what I do. And I uh, I see runners. I try to help them figure out how to run and how to keep running and even do races when they've been injured. But... What that really entails is trying to figure out what runners can do to decrease the stresses or increase the healing process in some way that helps them recover faster and then continue and persist with whatever event it is that they have planned. So I also go to medical conferences and teach physicians about that. I'm actually uh, speaking next week in Hawaii at the International Foot and Ankle Foundation meeting, lecturing to groups of podiatrists and foot and ankle surgeons about um, you know, running and injuries and how to get past that. So. You know, I that's mainly what I do is I try to not only get physicians to understand how to do that better for their own patients, but I do it with mine as well. So, it's really the same thing though. You know, treating an injury and and preventing an injury are all the same. It's just different sort of places on that same continuum where someone happens to land.
1: So, in your experience, uh what are some of the most common um in common causes of injuries among runners?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. You hear all these different things, and I remember when I was in medical school, this is sort of a, an analogy to that. There was this scene where, you know, I'm in San Francisco, and so people from here usually go to Lake Tahoe to go skiing. And at the beginning of the year, they always have a reporter go up to Blue Canyon, which is one of the passes on the way to Lake Tahoe. and And it was... It was fascinating. I wish I could get the recording of it, but there was basically a reporter standing there with a highway patrolman, and it's snowing, and all the cars are kind of creeping along on the highway, and and right when they're talking and the um, the reporter is interviewing the highway patrolman about accidents and road conditions and all that kind of stuff, a car comes flying by them and slams into another car, and like right on camera, and the... Um, the reporter spins around and he sticks a microphone toward the highway patrolman. He says, But isn't it true that snow causes accidents? And the patrolman just looks at him and says, No. Driving too fast for conditions is what causes accidents. You know, which seems like kind of silly, but it's true, right? And so I hear doctors all the time say running causes injuries. That's just not true. It's not true. Running does not cause injuries. Faulty biomechanics sometimes contribute to injuries. Running faster or more distance than your body can tolerate causes uh, injury, but it's not running. Running is is an activity. Running is not a cause of injury, and you know too much stress is a cause of injury. So it's a really good question, you know, and it depends on the specific injury. But you know, my practice just because I see mostly um, runners and triathletes, the main thing I see is really three things. So the 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 most common thing is plantar fasciitis. That's the most common thing by far but it's also the most common thing that's seen by um all patients uh, at least in podiatrist offices 40 percent of visits to podiatrists in the united states so it's very very common that's not necessarily a running specific injury but it's so common i actually wrote a book on runner's heel pain so people could diagnose and treat their own heel pain because most runners don't really need to go to the doctor when they have that so that's the most common but it's not really the most troublesome it's really forms of tendonitis or stress fractures that, uh, seem to frighten and worry and disrupt running for most, uh, most athletes when they're training. And so Achilles tendonitis, you know, the Achilles tendon, the one that really helps you push off that one gets injured a lot in overtraining. um the perineal tendons are the ones that kind of slow you down and help you decelerate when you're landing and so if people run form is off or um if they're running on the wrong kind of surface they can get that and then if on the opposite side of the foot the posterior tibial tendon can develop a similar kind of tendonitis um if they have an unstable flat foot and if they're running in a shoe that's too flexible or if their form is off so um Those are the main things. And then the other, of course, is stress fractures, which um, is a very, very common problem that I see. But stress fractures, again, it's not, it's, it's, that's also, I think, a, a real area of confusion for patients. In fact, I saw somebody on Monday, and she did Ironman Louisville on Saturday, or Sunday. I don't know, Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember which day the race was now. But the short story with her is that I saw her a month ago, and she had a stress fracture. And so the treatment for that is six weeks in a fracture walking boot. And she was told she can't do the race. And I said, well, I don't think that's true. So I looked at her. She had a relatively mild stress fracture. And I said, look, if you do all of these things and you do them correctly, then I think you can still do the race. And now to be clear, like I, I – Corresponded with her. I think I had 27 emails in that one month period, back and forth, where she would say, "Can I do this? What about that? You know, can I can I ride 112 miles this weekend? Can I do this? You know, should I run?" Over and over, she said, "Should I run?" I said, "I think you should not run at all until race day." Well, it turns out, so I saw her Monday. She had a new PR. It was her fastest race ever. Even though she's technically we should not have done the race according to the like standard doctor rules. She was very careful though. So, she, like most runners that are actually following a really good program, they have specific things that they do. They're able to like talk to their coach. And in that case, I was basically functioning as, you know, sort of a substitute coach. So, you know, she had her real coach who would say, You should do these workouts. And she would check with me of whether or not that was safe. And and that's the thing is that, you know, as long as you know what to do, you can continue running and you can continue training. Even if you feel like you have an oncoming um, injury and something that's about to become a problem, there's always a way around it if you can talk to the right people. And if you have, you know, a coach and you have somebody you can check in with, they, they understand that. And so you can do that and not really run into so much trouble. So it's really cumulative stress and it's a whole variety of stresses um, I think that causes injuries, and it's not just one thing. So we always want to blame one thing. We want to say, well, it's the shoes. Well, it's rarely the shoes. You might, you know, if you have a really unstable flat foot and you run in the wrong kind of shoes, then maybe the shoes are really contributing to that. But it's just not true. I mean, you know, Runners Connect has a, a run form analysis program, right? So if you know what your run form is and you modify you can decrease the stresses to your foot. That's not really debatable at this point, I don't think. If you follow the appropriate progression through your training for a marathon or anything else, you know, like a program with Runners Connect, it's just you can you can avoid those avoidable injuries, and it's really all of these stressors that add up. And you know, I lecture to physicians about this, and I have this um I basically have this graph where I talk about what happens when somebody gets run, you know, and running injury because You know, doctors say, well, they ran too far. Like, they all say that. They're like, oh, it's too, you know, the whole too much, too fast, too soon thing. The terrible twos, right? It's just ridiculous. It's not that at all. It is all of these different kinds of stress adding up in a way that causes something to break, whether it's a metatarsal bone or... you know, know, stress fracture in the heel bone or Achilles tendonitis or anything else. So you have mechanical stressors, that's one form of it. So running too much, so to speak, or what you perceive as too much, that's mechanical stress, you're pounding on gravity. Well, then you have all these other things. You have oxidative stressors, right? And if I actually did a search recently when I was doing a lecture for a conference And just a Medline search, I did a search on oxidative stress and inflammation because all of these injuries start with an inflammatory reaction of some kind and sometimes that leads to bigger problems and a true overtraining injury. So when I did that search, there were 19,361 articles that I found in medical journals about oxidative stress and the inflammatory process. So the oxidative stress is, you know, it has a lot to do with the way that your body deals with inflammation. I'm sure you discussed this in the nutrition talk that you, you've worked on recently, right? So um, that's one of them. Then there are environmental stressors like pollution. If you happen to run in a really busy area, like I lived in Houston for a long time and many people in Houston run in Memorial Park and Memorial Park is right between I-10, which is like 10 lanes you know, going across the country. And on the other side of it is the 610 freeway, which goes all the way around Houston. And so it's the park is centered right in the middle of the sort of the concentrated area of traffic around the whole city. And it actually has on multiple occasions been reported to have the worst air quality in the entire city. So you're running where the most pollution is, you're gonna get lots of oxidative stress. If you ride a bicycle following a bus, that's probably not a, a great way to breathe. And those things add up. You also have hormonal stressors, so if you have any kind of thyroid dysfunction or even stressors from anxiety, if you have a really stressful work project, marital discord, any of those kind of things, those hormonal stressors can actually, you know, your cortisol levels go up, your stress goes up, and that is actually counterproductive to the healing process that runners need when they're actually training, because training is just sort of very organized functional tissue damage, right? You go out and train, you run, and you, you do tissue damage, you get sore, but the muscles and bones, tendons, ligaments, all of it, they become stronger from a result, from that actual stress that you applied. And if you recover enough before your next workout, you're stronger and you can run faster and further and you continue to progress. If you do too much, you have too much stressors, then your body is not able to actually absorb all that and you get cumulative tissue damage that adds up to an overtraining injury. So. If you have hormonal stressors, that also causes, you know, a big problem. And you can document this with athletes, you know, with athletes who get overworked, overtired, underslept, their cortisol levels go up, their stress hormones go up. And you can monitor that and and see that it's happening. And, and all those things together create way too much stress and then something becomes injured. Very
1: interesting. So that kind of falls in line with my next question, which um, was kind of what are some bad lifestyle habits that can make one more susceptible to injury and kind of what you were saying about just insufficient sleep and, um, kind of bad diet, just adding to those, those, uh, external stresses, yeah. everything outside of running.
0: Yeah. That's a really interesting thing because it's very complicated. You know, it seems so simple. I mean, the truth is, is, when I see runners and I ask, them, I ask them all those questions, how much do you sleep, what are you training for, where do you run, where specifically do you run, like what side of the street do you run on, which trail do you run on, where do you run, do you run on the crushed crush granite stuff, do you run on the asphalt stuff? You know, all these things. So all these specific things about lifestyle really do matter. You know, do you smoke? Well, most runners don't smoke. I mean, that's just a fact. It's pretty difficult to smoke and run. Mm -hmm. And so those things obviously matter. But then, you know, where do you train? Like, you know, do you train where there's a lot of traffic? Do you train in an area where there's clean air? This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's
1: a virtual doctor visit?
0: The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing.
1: I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners.
0: But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call.
1: I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration.
0: You will have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. So all these specific things about lifestyle really do matter. You know, do you smoke? Well, most runners don't smoke. I mean, that's just a fact. It's pretty difficult to smoke and run. Mm -hmm. And so those things obviously matter. But then, you know, where do you train? Like, you know, do you train where there's a lot of traffic? Do you train in an area where there's clean air? Is there lots of smog where you train? I mean, I lived in Salt Lake City when I was in residency at the University of Utah. And there's an inversion that happens in the winter. And the smog is really, really, really bad. You know, and I actually, I was training for uh, marathons and Ironmans then, and I remember there was one time when I could barely see the next light post when I was running on the street because the smog was so bad. And that's not good. That's not really helpful for training. So it probably probably would have been better in retrospect if I hadn't run at all in those days, you know, if I had just stayed inside. There are all these different things that really can add up in terms of lifestyle. So obviously sleep matters. Sleep for sure is the most underutilized resource that's available to runners. I mean, I'm absolutely convinced about that. It really does make a huge difference. So this happens all the time. Like, why did this athlete who hadn't done an Ironman in five years that I just saw, why did she have a PR after basically, you know, getting a broken foot and racing on it? Why did she have a PR? Because she was probably more rested than she's ever been. Personally for me, my fastest Ironman ever was when I got sick before uh, a race And and then I was like really limiting my training, of course I was all anxious, I was super frustrated, I was really worried, I didn't even know if I'd start the race. Turns out it was my fastest one ever. So, you know, this is not an an original story though. There are many, many accounts of people having their fastest marathon ever, their fastest, you know, triathlon ever, just because they had forced rest. Because many of us become chronically overtrained, particularly people like me that are historically self-coached athletes you know we think more volume is always better which is the value of having like a coach with somebody you know like through runners connect where you have somebody that really knows what they're talking about i'm a foot and ankle surgeon i know how to fix things that are broken i know roughly how to train for marathons and ironmans and i've done a lot of them but that doesn't really make me an expert on coaching it just makes me somebody that has a lot of experience with it but I haven't helped, you know, what, 75,000 runners or whatever, like Runners Connect. I mean, you know, I help a lot of injured runners, but I don't really know all the small adjustments that can be made that are going to be most helpful to achieve a goal and avoid injury. You know, you have to have a coach that understands those things too, that not just like how important it is that you sleep, but that, you know, you communicate that to your coach. For example, like we have a, um, a seven-month-old baby right now. She doesn't sleep that much right now. Last night, I slept maybe three hours. Three days ago, I slept for one hour. And then, you know, I go to work and see patients and everything else. I'm not sleeping that much. You know, if I, was, if I were actively training for something that was really important and I had a very specific progression right now, I would be talking to my coach every day about that. You know, I ran 10 miles on Sunday on the trails. And if I had not slept at all, I would have to tell my coach, okay, look, I didn't sleep. Should I shift this workout to a different day? What should I do? Because you are way more at risk if you're not sleeping appropriately when you're doing hard workouts because you can't absorb tissue damage that you're going to sustain. It just doesn't work. It's the same with nutrition. I mean, nutrition, it's like, it's obviously this huge topic, right? But like, what is nutrition? I mean, nutrition is not what you eat. That's what everybody thinks. It's, you know, salads versus McDonald's. It's And it's not that simple. Nutrition is not what you eat. Nutrition really is what you eat, what you digest, what you absorb, and most importantly, what the cells actually take up and use. That's what nutrition is. If you don't have appropriate nutrition, you don't have the appropriate capacity for absorbing nutrients, you have a real problem. Like, if you take calcium and you don't take vitamin D, it's not going to help. You know, it's just going to go right through. It doesn't get absorbed. And if you have irritable bowel syndrome or something like that, or you get the stomach flu, you're not going to absorb nutrients. And if you're not communicating that to your coach, it dramatically increases your risk of injury. Those are, you know, really key things. So it's, you know, in terms of healthy lifestyle, like it's really nutrition is, is one of the biggest things. I mean, sleep for sure. Sleep is simple. All you have to do is sleep. Nutrition is a lot more complicated. I mean, I, Every time I run um, or ride, I make this specific recovery smoothie. You know, and it's got, I mean, it has all kinds of stuff in it. It's got spinach, kale, um, ground flaxseed, hemp protein, bananas, cucumbers, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, mango, papaya, pineapple, all kinds of stuff. And I've had no less than 100 patients ask me, which of those is the most important? Like if I knew I would just eat that all day. So I don't, I'm not a nutritionist. You know, I don't really know what's most important, but I do know that most of it's in there. And so I think you have to have a broad range and you have to have it frequently. And when I started doing that, my recovery actually dramatically improved. You know, normally if I did like a hundred mile bike ride or a 20 mile run, I had to basically take two days off before I could really do anything of of use, but that changed to like 24 hours after I started really paying close attention to my diet. So it makes a huge difference, but you know you have to have a coach that understands the implications of that and also timing. For example, on Sunday, I went to this place where I can run. It's very hilly, run through the redwoods, it's really beautiful, all that kind of stuff, but I have to drive to get there. So I make the smoothie and I take it in my car. And I drink it within five minutes of when I'm done. And when I go to the track and I do my speed work, same thing. I take it with me. It's already prepared. And within five minutes, like literally while I'm doing my cool down walk, I drink it. I don't wait an hour. I don't wait two hours. I do it right then. And that is really crucial. So it's not just, you know, eating it, but it's when you eat it that it really matters too. And there's a whole range of things. I mean, there's um, Brendan Brazier wrote in a really interesting book that talks about nutrition and about how being a vegan, you know, Uh, can reduce your overall inflammatory process in your body which should in theory allow you to deal with the inflammatory response from your training better because it's less work for your body to do and it totally makes sense. However, I also see lots of vegan athletes that get stress fractures. Like, it's I don't really understand why, I mean they put, in, they put a lot of effort into making sure they're getting enough protein and all these other nutrients, but it is a fairly common thing and we don't really understand exactly why that happens so much, but it is very complicated. You know, I think anybody that gets recurring injuries or seems to like sort of push up against their threshold for injury repeatedly really needs to talk to somebody who's a nutritionist to make sure that they're not missing something in their diet or or the timing of their diet uh, that puts them at risk. and When I'm really training, I eat a lot. I eat not just volume, but frequency. So I actually do this thing where I make all these meal packs. I have this specific kind of cooler thing I built to go in my car. You know, I do a house call. So I go see athletes at home when they're injured. So that way I can look at all their running shoes and all that stuff. But I drive around all day. So I have this thing. I make all these meals and I have four or five of them, depending upon how long my day is. And I have them all in this little stacked cooler thing in my car and i eat them between patients all day long so i eat at least four meals a day sometimes five or six if i'm really training so if i'm really ramping up my training for a race then i eat more and i eat more frequently because that's the way my body processes the nutrients most efficiently so eating two or three meals a day i don't think is a great plan for most athletes that are in training and that's another of the simple things it's just sort of dividing the meals up into smaller meals More frequently certainly can allow you to incorporate all those nutrients much more effectively.
1: I do know just in my personal experience, kind of like you said, when I kind of better anticipated um, just when and how much I was eating, I definitely saw a lot of a lot of improvement in my running. Um, There were definitely times where I would finish a workout and then I'd go to class not eat anything for probably an hour and a half and (laughs) Yeah. Definitely and, uh, wasn't feeling too hot during those days. So um, I do think there, like you said, there's a lot to be said about just when when you're eating and um, obviously how much. Um, in terms of just injury prevention, what is kind of like the, what's the science behind that? Is it just that your muscles are breaking down um, too rapidly and just don't have enough time to, to build back up again because you're just not eating? Um, efficiently
0: enough? Yeah, mostly. I mean, that's just it, right? So like, what is an overtraining injury? It's just where you've done too much. It it happens with all kinds of people with all kinds of stressors. But, you know, the bottom line is, is that all that has really happened is that you did more damage than your body could deal with before your next series of workouts. And so you keep increasing damage. that's not getting fully repaired. And so it gets injured a little more. You know, if you have a micro tear in a muscle or a tendon or whatever, you know, really small Injury basically and then you give it plenty of time to rest it'll it'll heal and then it will actually be stronger But if you don't if you did a little too much and then you stack workouts too close together That's when you get a problem in that process if you're missing any particular nutrients that are crucial to rebuilding that tissue whether it's Antioxidants or if it's magnesium or calcium or vitamin D or protein or whatever Copper if it's tendon health if you're missing any of those nutrients at all then it sort of lengthens the amount of time that it takes for that repair to happen. That's why it's so crucial. That's why I really do eat so much more frequently when I'm really training hard. I think it makes a big difference. So it's boring, don't get me wrong. I, li- I will literally make like a huge thing where I have, you know, I have somebody cook all of my meals and cook like eight of them. And that's like two days worth of meals. And it's the same thing over and over. But it's training. I wouldn't exactly say that mild repeats are fun. Going on the track and doing like 10 mile repeats is not exactly fun. Sure, running through the Santa Cruz mountains on a trail is fun. I think that is really fun. Running in Lake Tahoe on the trails is fun, but doing mile repeats on a track, it's not fun. It's lots of things, but it's not fun. You know, I think of that with my nutrition. Uh, Yeah, I like to eat. I like to eat all kinds of different stuff, but it's also, I have a goal. And in most cases, it's attached to a specific time, and I need to have a specific strength and a specific speed to achieve that. So if I want to achieve that, then I have to dedicate all of these different efforts, you know, whether it's sleep, going to bed on time, um, all that kind of stuff. I have to really pay attention to that. And it seems like when you think about how hard runners are trying to work when they want to get faster and better and they want to achieve some new goal, whether it's a marathon or half marathon or 10K or whatever, they're working so hard. They're putting so much effort in. They're wearing themselves out. And if it's like, If you could just do these little things that don't really cost you anything and get this additional benefit, it makes so much sense. It's like free speed, you know, because you're just it doesn't take any additional real effort, no hard work. It's not like an extra mile repeat tacked onto your usual workout. It's just an additional benefit that you get. If it seems like something may be missing, and it's taking you too long to recover, you're concerned about that. Like discussing it with your coach to figure out: Do you need a nutrition consult? Do you need to just really, you know, talk with your coach about what you're eating, you know, and see if there's something that's missing. You know, maybe if you're vegan and you're taking all these sort of plant-based nutrition um, sources, you may not be getting enough protein. So if you take hemp protein, it's the only one that really has all of the amino acids, right? But it doesn't have high bioavailability, so your body can't incorporate that much of it. Even the very best ones, it's only like 50% that it can incorporate. But pea protein has a whole lot more um, bioavailability than hemp protein, but it's not a complete set of amino acids. You can still wind up with a, a deficit just because you're missing some amino acids if you're taking an addition, you know, some other source, whether it's soy protein or, or whatever, you might be missing something, and you're and the coaches don't understand all that stuff. That's why I think it's really important to talk to them and really communicate with them to see if something's missing, because it's just if you accumulate too much tissue damage, if you keep adding on damage on top of damage, something's going to go. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not usually one run. It's usually been adding up for a long period of time, usually during the course of a build phase or. What I see with most athletes is it's usually about four to six weeks before their race. So like what are they doing? They're like going increasing their volume, they drop back down a little bit. They increase their volume more and they drop down. They go up even more. And then as soon as they built this huge base and they've gone through multiple progressions with their training plan, then they start adding in speed work and intensity and and so then you have like lots of accumulated tissue damage and you start adding really hard efforts, that's when those injuries happen, which of course is heartbreaking because then You're a month out from your race and somebody says, oh, you need six weeks and a fracture walking, but you just need to skip the race. It's not what most athletes want to do. So you you have to be cautious and make sure that you're really doing everything you can on all these other fronts with nutrition and sleep and hydration and everything else to make sure that that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, I think uh, most of our users would probably agree that... Uh, dotting those i's and crossing those t's is probably not a huge sacrifice when you're putting in as much training as they are
0: no Um, it's it's true
1: but yeah i i do really appreciate you joining us uh, dr cyborg um if you'd be interested in doing this again sometime we 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 would love to have you
0: back oh yeah sure yeah no it'd be great if you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the doc on the run podcast send it to me and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the doc on the run podcast